Hello and welcome everyone to this 14th episode of the Facts and the Fiction. I'm uh, your host, Doug McKenzie. Today, uh, my co-host, George Roach, has gotten so busy with Canadian Rights Watch that he hasn't, uh, he's not available to make it today, but I think you're going to be really excited about this, this conversation. Dr. Young has just produced a paper uh, where he analyzed uh, all of the, well, four of the available COVID vaccines under a microscope, and, and I'll let him describe uh, his technique for that. Uh, and discovered that there was, in fact, these uh, graphene oxide particles uh, within the uh, within the vaccines. These have been uh, an area of interest, as many of you probably know. Uh, and we'll discuss uh, potentially what the purpose of, of this graphene oxide is and what it's doing in there. Uh, but thank you, Dr. Young, for your work, and welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Doug. Uh, thanks for the invitation. So will you just describe for the audience, some of whom uh, may not know who you are, a little bit about your background and the, the work that you do, uh, maybe just a, a little bit. I know you're, um, you're well known as a, as a quote unquote terrain theorist. Um, and so you can let people know about that and maybe your work with the dark field microscopy as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I've been uh, uh, in 40 years at my profession and uh, my background is in uh, medical mic uh, microbiology, uh, biochemistry, uh, and uh, studied uh, with Dr. Marie Blecker in Essen, Germany, uh, at the Enderlin Institute. But uh, her training in dark field and phase contrast and bright field microscopy uh, was very beneficial, of course, in the 80s. And uh, also studied with. Uh, with Bradford, who is now passed, but he was quite active in the uh, uh, in in the field of uh, identification using uh, optical micros uh, microscopy. I've taught it for many years. I I was an adjunct professor at, at several schools. One of the ones that uh, my book, Sick and Tired, was used as a medical text at the uh, medical school at Morehouse uh, College, which is the largest black. Uh, 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 university in the United States uh, was inducted there into their Hall of Fame um, and uh, was grateful for that from Dr. Lawrence uh, Carter uh, who actually made a statement in front of a large audience at the Martin Luther King Memorial Cathedral that uh, Dr. Young is the Martin Luther King of the 21st century. And, uh, of course, I helped him with some of his health challenges, uh, which he was very grateful. I have an, act, uh, an active uh, uh, client-patient uh, profile uh, and uh, involved in uh, non-invasive medical diagnostics and testing. Uh, I've been testing, testing uh, the biochemistries of millions uh, around the world in over 150 countries uh, uh, their 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 chemistries and also their uh, blood counts, but I've also in the last uh, decade been focused on interstitium and interstitial fluids, uh, which is is critical because it makes up eighty percent of the extracellular fluids, where blood only makes up twenty. So I have a hundred percent of the information that will allow me to compare to see exactly what's going on uh, in uh, the uh, body fluids, and of course. Uh, uh, my uh, associate, and uh, who's doing uh, a lot of this work too, is Dr. Uh, Galena Magalco. Uh, 
at uh, universalmedicalimaging.com and she's doing wonderful work has uh, continues to do wonderful work in helping people uh, take responsibility for their health and vitality and 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 also their treatment protocols so uh, I've been uh, uh, actively engaged in in not just the science and the uh, discovery and the identification and the research and the publications and probably my most recent publication, uh, the last two anyway, uh, have been on SARS and COVID. Other than that, I've been studying what is called the corona effect and cellular uh, membrane degeneration for years. And I've taken uh, micrographs of that uh, uh, and uh, revealing the fact that uh, the protein spikes uh, are not infections, but they're actually outfections as a result of cellular membrane, of course, uh, deterioration uh, due to the environment. It's kind of like genetics. It's not about the genetics. It's about the epigenetics, which is uh, which refers to outside or the outside environment. So uh, I've, I've published over 70 books, over 3,000 articles. Many of those are peer-reviewed in various journals. I was the, one of the first scientists to, to study the effects of the uh, of, uh, uh, electromagnetic frequencies in 1998 uh, on the human blood. There was a video on that. BBC picked it up and did a documentary, short documentary on my work in uh, later in uh, uh, 1999. But we published this article. Uh, Dr. Beverly Rubick of the University of California, Berkeley, we published this in 2001 in the International Journal of uh, Complementary and Alternative Medicine. I mean, I could go on, uh, right. you know, uh, because I've, I, I've worked with many uh, amateur and pro athletes and helping them improve their performance. Uh, and on top of that, uh, have been noted to be at different uh, uh, conferences uh, on oncology where Dr. McGalco and I presented the, the evidence of the cancer that, I work, that we worked with in conjunction with the University of Salic. California and doctor uh, and the doctors and the teams there uh, that substantiated our work, uh, which was never presented in peer review. We later presented it uh, and published in 2015. This work it was going to be coming out through the university, but because of political reasons, they withheld the publication for the cure for cancer. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I know you've had actually uh, astounding results uh, in your clinic uh, about the cancer issue. Will you uh, discuss then what the corona effect is? Because this isn't actually about the coronavirus, which people might think, but it is related in terms of this blood clotting issue that's happening with the vaccines, correct? Well, it is. I, and I got involved in, the, in, in virology in, in 1983. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, uh, what... Uh, came from that was was the the so-called research uh, and, and identification or the isolation of of uh, and purification of HIV and then it, that is association with uh, AIDS or the immune uh, deficiency they call it a syndrome because they say they understand the pathology but then they say it in those words syndrome that they don't understand the pathology mm -hmm. but probably the greatest scientist that was bold enough to actually stand up in the 80s was dr peter deusberg 
and Dr. Peter Duisberg was doing the original research and, and published as well as wrote a book called Inventing the AIDS Virus, later to encompass inventing the Ebola virus, inventing the Hep C virus, and inventing the, you know, these various uh, so-called filterable bacteria, which were renamed in the 60s as virus, which in Latin means poison. And of course, that was his emphasis, and really for the foundation of his work, was that it wasn't a virus that was killing people, it was actually chemical poisoning that was killing them. And uh, so they targeted a, a group of uh, people in San Francisco, uh, uh, or the gay community, uh, and as if you know their lives didn't matter. And of course, in perfect health, they diagnosed them with HIV without having any immune deficiency administered. The same guy that's ahead of the... Uh, the Institute, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, the same guy that started the program then is the same, oh, the same guy that's doing the program now is the same guy that started the program uh, back in the 80s. Uh, and uh, uh, because of that, I lost a very dear nephew mm. that I was very close to because he was diagnosed with HIV and then began taking a very caustic, toxic, off-the-shelf drug that was left there, triple X, as an X on warning, this will cause death. And this is what, what it was doing. People were dying, not from a virus, but they were dying from the actual treatments. So HIV uh, is interesting because it ties in with the corona. And, it, and if you look at some of these uh, uh, scanning electron micrographs, wait a minute, what they're calling corona looks like HIV and HIV mm -hmm. Corona. So it's like, wait a minute, I guess we've forgotten enough, but you know, people don't really understand, you know, transmission, uh, scanning electron microscopes uh, and the micrographs that come from that and, and the difference between the two. But the bottom line is, is they're not looking at viruses. They're looking at cell fragments and exosomes and, and what are called endobionts or, uh, or, or organizations of, uh, that's what Enderlin called them, or what Antoine Bichat called the microzymas, or they're looking at, um, uh, you know, cell fragments from breakdown products or spikes that are coming off the cell membrane due to the compromised environment. And this is part of the aging process, but it, it's accelerated. And of course, it's accelerated with the treatments. And so just like mm -hmm. Corona, people were dying from the treatments, just like today, people are dying from the treatments. And you're probably wondering, uh, and you can ask me this question later as it relates, well, then what are people dying from, you know, and, and, and that's what we need to talk about. Uh, and, and there is an answer to that question. And, and, and here again, under the Freedom of Information Act, Christine Massey submitted, you know, letters to the CDC and other, uh, the Health, uh, Health Canada uh, Australia's health departments and and even to the University of, of Western Western University in Australia, uh, we, we've we've sent over 90, 90 requests of freedom of information asking this very specific question: Do you have in your possession any evidence of a purified isolation of the novel coronavirus COV two, now called COV nineteen? And the answer is 100% from every institution, from every university, from every government agency. No, we do not have possession 
of an isolate, a purified isolate of the vaccine, of the virus, the virus. excuse me, of the mm -hmm. virus. And so this, 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 this I want to get cleared up right now. The virus does not exist. The virus only exists on a piece of paper and it's computer generated. Uh, and so it's, it's all theory. Uh, so there's no evidence of any virus that has been isolated that causes any condition that's associated with severe acute respiratory disorders or uh, the congestion or the symptoms that most people that have been diagnosed with SARS-CoV-19 uh, with the dry coughing, uh, the high fever, uh, the dizziness, the loss of hearing, the loss of balance, all of these symptoms. Uh, I, uh, I have uh, talked about, uh, I have seen, and there's an underlying cause of this, but it is not a, a Verone, it's not a prion, it's not anything other than chemical radiation and chemical poisoning that has brought on these symptomologies. And uh, it is not infectious, it's outfectious. Mm -hmm. It's out, and there's a difference. This is born in us. In other words, germs are born in us and from us. And because of that, uh, these germs are emitting waste products called mycotoxins or exotoxins or endotoxins. And what, what is being picked up are these protein spikes are nothing more than cell fragments or what are called endotoxins that are being measured by RT, uh, PCR testing, which is not specific in its identification. So there's no way to tell what it is other than just computerized you know some sort of a, you know etiology that this is where it comes from mm -hmm. so uh people need to protect themselves uh, uh from not the virus but uh from the narrative of the virus uh and the whole theory of the virus which induces fear and actions which are not into our not into uh a animal or human's best interest and that of course goes right to the inoculation and what are the contents of that inoculation and that brought me to uh in, with a team of other scientists uh la quinta uh la quinta you know the spanish uh, the la, la quinta columna la quinta, yeah la quinta mm -hmm. columna yeah those that group as well as uh some italians you know and other side germans uh but probably the voice that's been out there the longest has been my voice warning people that this has been going on with the flu vaccine. And we have, we have 3 million deaths worldwide uh, a year uh, from the uh, uh, influenza inoculation. And this is caused by various oxides that are contained within those, such as aluminum oxide, such as graphene oxide. Right. So the graphene oxide is, is, has been around for a long time. The one thing that right. I think... Well, you, you go ahead with, with with some questions right now. But the introduction right. is, is I've got a, I have a, a, a huge uh, experience in uh, microscopy identification in clinical work and in validating this not only from the from the the vials themselves, but the effects of that particular let's say, treatment or inoculation that's being given and how it affects the most important organ in the human body, and that's the blood. That was the nature of my study. Uh, that was the nature of my doctorates, uh, my, my doctorate of science in biochemistry and also in, in nutrition, PhD. But it's, it's the 
the nature of my work was to identify contributing factors that were polluting the environment and affecting the blood and the body cells. So it was an environmental contextual approach to identify the cause of all sickness and disease and the genesis of that cause. And I believe I've done that. Of course, it doesn't include using a, a lot of nutraceuticals and pharmaceuticals. It includes taking personal responsibility and cutting off these contributing factors that are literally polluting the internal environment, causing this cellular breakdown, the disorganization, and, and, and turning on genes to, to react in a certain way. So when, we talk, when I talk about germs, when I talk about uh, bacteriums, uh, when I, mycoplasm or anthrax or strep or staph or, or candida or aspergillus, these are all symptoms of cellular breakdown. They're not causative. And what's happening in the, in the medical model is we're treating symptoms, and the result of that is we're causing injury and death. Mm -hmm. Did you hear that? The current medical model is treating symptoms that is causing injury and death. Yeah. Because they're not addressing the cause. And the cause is, based on my research, two things. The, the, my research was based on these, these, this, these, this hypothesis. One, that the human body in its perfect state of health, pH, perfect health, perfect state of health, is alkaline by design the body fluids. The second one premise is that all, you know, all contributing factors that provide acidic contributing factors will alter the context leading to cellular breakdown, disorganization, genetic mutation that then causes all sickness and disease. So all sicknesses and disease is the oversidification of the blood and then interstitial fluids due to an inverted way of living. Inversion. Okay, that's what's creating the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So guess who's responsible for their for their diseases or diseases? The individual. Right. <laughs> you you are you are the cause. Now, so if you smoke that's controversial, right? <laughs> well yeah, nobody wants to for take some personal responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to take personal responsibility. They don't want to blame it on somebody else, something right. else. Oh, it's your fault that I'm sick. Or it's this virus that I'm sick. No, there is no virus that makes you sick. Did you hear that? There is no virus that makes you sick or suppresses the immune system. In fact, immunity has not been described properly. Immunity is maintaining the alkaline design of the body fluids, not poisoning the body to activate the immune system to pr produce some phantom antibody. Mm -hmm. That's a fake theory. Well, Dr. Young, I wanted to have you on because uh, of your recent paper and concerning the graphene oxide. This is this is a confusing issue, but a, but a very big one for those of us who are following what's been going on with the vaccines and have concerns with uh, the the toxicity that you describe. So, I want to kind of get in the meat of, uh, get into the meat and potatoes of this actual study. Um, and I wanted to just uh, give people the name. I'll put the uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can understand what we're doing here. And uh, the, this recent study is called Phase Contrast Dark Field Bright Field Microscopy Transmission and Scanning Electron Microscopy and Energy Dispersive X-ray Spectroscopy Reveal the Ingredients in the COV-19 Vaccines. And so... Um, 
I just, uh, will you describe a little bit about the methodology in terms of the, the various forms of my, microscopy, but also, uh, you know, just the fact that these companies actually haven't released the full list of the ingredients that are in these things. And so the reason why you wanted to produce the study and really, you know, look at these vaccines, look into them and find out exactly what is inside these, what are, what is it that people are injecting themselves with right now? Well, here again, uh, there were four, there were four vaccines that were analyzed that were sealed, uh, boxed, and the box was sealed. Of course, it had its original papers and those original papers did not disclose any of the ingredients other than the basic one, which all of them are disclosing is genetically modified uh, nucleic acids or, or genetic mat material. And uh, they've been using those, uh, you know, for several years. Uh, but here again, that was this uh, for people to understand is, is this was identified. Uh, and uh, uh, the four vaccines was Pfizer, BioNTech. Uh, the second one was Moderna's Lanza mRNA-1273 vaccine. The third one was Vaxzavira by AstraZeneca. And the fourth one was Janssen's, uh, Janssen's by Johnson & Johnson. And, of course, an array of different uh, instruments uh, and protocols of preparation, uh, according to, uh, you know, historical ways of doing this, of preparation, according to the nanoparticulate technology approaches that other scientists have also used. But the different instruments that I use was an optical microscope, uh, and those optical microscopes will go anywhere from 5x up to 20,000x. Uh, but uh, from the eyepieces, from from 100x up to, we're talking about magnification now, 100 times up to uh, about uh, 1,500 times magnification. So anybody that has one of those magnifying uh, mirrors, they're looking at their skin. Uh, you could get a 1x, a 3x, a 5x. We're talking about 1,500 times, you know. Wow. So, uh, and of course, we can then we can enlarge that up to 20,000 times to actually look even closer. But the different forms of optical microscopy include bright field, includes face contrast. Bright field is where the where the light passes through the specimen. Face contrast, where it comes to it. Uh, uh, and diffuses uh, through a, uh, a filter and allows some of the light to pass through, giving a contrast of uh, light and grays. And I'll show you show you what this looks like when we're looking at uh, at uh, uh, this uh, graphene oxide. And then also um, in dark field, in dark field, it has the most contrast. It's probably the most interesting because of that contrast, but it cuts out the entire environment. So contextually. You can't see what you see is is the light comes perpendicular uh, comes uh, to the side of the membrane, hitting the membrane, lighting and amplify or emphasizing the membrane. But you don't see you don't see the context that, that those cells are sitting in. It. So you lose you lose a lot of information by doing that. But I do all of that uh, uh, in addition to uh, to actually looking and uh, as it relates to increasing magnification. Uh, that would be uh, ultraviolet uh, absorption and fluorescence, ultraviolet light absorption and fluorescence uh, spectroscopy. And then addition would be the uh, scanning electron and transmission electron. The scanning just picks up the, 
the entity. So you're looking at it uh, uh, anatomically, but to look into what's the contents within that, if you want to look at and break out the, uh, the contents within, particularly if you're looking at the nano uh, capsid, uh, the liposome nano capsid uh, that's attached to the uh, RNA, you know, the nucleic acid that's in the vaccine. Uh, you have to use transmission electron microscopy uh, tied with energy dispersive spectroscopy. Uh, and so uh, there's lots of testing equipment, uh, Fisher, you know, and other scientific uh, companies, uh, Zeiss, etc., sell a lot of this equipment. It's, it's not as expensive as before. Kind of like that computer that used to take up the whole right. first, first floor. You know, it's gone to desktop now, so you can literally, you know, uh, what used cost, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars is now, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands rather than millions. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, my training for microscopy uh, uh, from Bradford as well as from uh, Dr. Blecker, uh, the reason I, I mention her uh, because uh, her pro her uh, protege was uh, Dr. Ender, uh, Dr. Gunther Enderlin, and Dr. Enderlin was also a, a terrain theorist. And so, this is where I was indoctrinated was in mm -hmm. Germany. And probably the most significant thing that I learned in Germany was a organ which is not taught at any school in the Amer in the United States. Maybe they've changed that now, but uh, medical school. But that's the largest organ of the human body, which is called the colloidal connective tissue of the shod. And they have just recently discovered this over a year and a half ago, and, and they've named it called the interstitium. But because of my education there, I've been looking at this now contextually and testing these, these uh, fluids uh, uh, anatomically uh, and elementally, you know, looking at the particulates and also both or organic and non-organic uh, particulates in both of the blood fluids, which is 20% of the body extracellular fluids and, and the other 80% to give me a 100% view. Uh, so I don't know if you want me to share my uh, screen so you can see some of these pictures, uh, if, if that's possible. Sure, let's do it. I mean, I and I want to get. I do want to kind of move. We've got uh, a little over a half an hour yet. I want to make sure that the audience gets uh, kind of the, the what you found. You know, the graphene oxide. The, the yeah. Parasite let me show that you found. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Let me show it to you. Okay. Okay. Uh, and of course, you know, any of these companies, uh, which of course this information is out there, and it's been out there since April when I started publishing it. And of course, I released this paper August twentieth, and there's there's over thirty five micrographs and charts. Uh, the paper is seventy pages long, um, and uh, so it and it's it's evolving. I'm now in my seventh draft of this, and I'm including uh, additional things. One that I think is going to be very important, which I'll share uh, a little later on this. But let me go ahead and push share and see if I can. Yeah, let's see if we share share my screen here is it working for you i don't think we've done yeah this okay before. What, let me let me try it here we go okay 
And okay, so what I what I want to show here uh, is uh, is the Uh, looks like you've frozen up on me, Dr. Young. Are you there? Okay. Well, let's just give him a second to get back on, uh, and we'll see if this can work. Because this, uh, what getting into exactly what he found inside these vaccines, I think, uh, is important. I personally thought this paper that he produced certainly added and and maybe even uh, kind of clarified some of what was put forth in the La Quinta Columna paper that was uh, that came out of Spain. Uh, maybe a month or two ago, a lot of people were talking about it. There was some some uh, suspicion in the La Quinta paper, just in terms of how they found the graphene oxide and and how much there was in there in these vaccines. And uh, and Dr. Young's paper here, which again will be posted in the show notes, uh, is uh, really I think takes it to the next level. So uh, here we go. We've got him back. All right. So uh, I don't think that worked very well, but uh, I, I don't know. Did Were you able to see my screen at all? I could see the screen, actually. It was working, but you just froze up. So I froze up. Okay, so uh, let me let me see if you, you see this right here. Uh, do you see this? No, but when you shared the screen, I actually let me, I let was me, able to let bring me, it up. Okay, let me, let me share it again, okay? Okay, yeah, let's try again. Let's try again. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so um, perfect. Yeah, so what I wanted to share here. Let's see. Uh, can you see this now? Can you see this? Yes. Okay. So what we're looking at here is is a, is a micrograph. It's a cluster of carbon of uh, graphene oxide. And the mm -hmm. thing that's important after after uh, th these are after people have either had a flu vaccine or a COVID vaccine, uh, but the graphene oxide, uh, as you can see, is magnetic, and you can see the attraction that attracts the cells and causes blood coagulation, and this is the cause of the symptoms is pathological blood coagulation, which leads to hypoxia, suffocation, and death. So yeah. the graphene, graphene oxide acts like a magnet, creating the very symptomology that, that, you know, so it provides no immunity at all. What it does is provides a, a, a platform of graphene, which is very, very strong. It's eight times stronger than steel, but it's also very flexible. Right, and, and I used to play tennis professionally, but I played with a graphite racket, so I know that right. it, 
that they can use graphene, which is very flexible, to strengthen, but to keep it light. And I said, wow, this racket is so light. The reason it's white and the material's light, so it's not heavy. It, the thickness of this is one atom thick. thick. It's yeah. hexagonal, so it's able to, in, in its network, to twist or to turn or to fold. But this is, this is using phase contrast microscopy. And what you're looking at is red blood cells that are, that are clotted together right. in a chain, which that chain is, in French, is, is a word called rouleau, which means like a roll of pennies, a chain of red blood cells. And this is not the normal. Is that that's what, the corona effect that you speak of in the book? Not blood. yet. No, this is the, this oh, is the okay. clotting. This is the clotting effect caused by okay. the graphene oxide. Thank you. This is what normal should be. The, the plasma or the vascular fluid should be clean. The blood cells should be repelling themselves. So what happened here? Right. What happened here is they've lost their, uh, their electrical charge. And they're being attracted to this, this matrix here of this cluster of graphene, this carbon, that's, that's causing them to clot together, to reverse their polarity from here the surface charge is negative. They repel each other. When it's reversed, some will reverse, then they start clotting together. Some will be clotted, some will not. Mm -hmm. So this is what normal looks like. And anyone that's been not inoculated does not have normal blood, period. Right. 99.9%. .9%. I won't find it. You know, this is what I'm going to find. I'm going to find this. Now, this is an extreme case where someone gets really, really sick after inoculation and has effects from that. What you have here are red, normal red blood cells. Here you have here are blood cells where the hemoglobin of the blood, which is the main molecule of the blood, of the red blood cell, in its defense of these toxins, takes it into its body, creating crystallized red blood cells called Heinz bodies, of which they, being, they begin cracking. All of this around it, is graphene hmm. except for up here in the left hand corner which is erotic acid and that generally is associated with some that's been given hmm. but these these bodies i see them in hiv and i see uh, that are now immune deficient and i see these bodies of red blood cells that have uptaked the actual treatments or the chemicals that have been inoculated into that because the red blood cells do more for immunity than the white blood cells. I'm going to okay. say that again. The red blood cells are on the front line, literally absorbing the nutraceutical, the pharmaceutical, or the inoculation, whatever that is, whatever poison that's being injected into the interstitium that gets into the vascular fluid, it is the blood that takes that on. And that's why graphene oxide has been noted to cause oxygen deprivation or to uptake the oxygen from the cell. Hmm. And that's what it literally does. So what happens then is if you look at these cells, they're plump, they're even in color, they're not concaved. But if you look at this cell that I'm going to show you next, uh, well, I'll, I'll show it in a minute, you're going to see holes in the red blood cells. And that hole is the absence of hemoglobin. So what happens after treatment, particularly in cancer, We've seen this happen over and over again. Chemotherapy causes reduction in hemoglobin because the red blood cells, not the white blood cells, are absorbing that to neutralize that poison, causing red blood cell count deficiencies and hemoglobin deficiencies. 
The very treatments are killing the people. Right. So here you see the magnetic attraction of a of graphene oxide. You know, uh, uh, they're called uh, tubules of graphene. And you can see it also here. Right. See how it's all attracted to the particular mm -hmm. end. And this is why magnets are sticking to people. Magnets, I mean, that is a, a real phenomenon. Uh, graphene oxide is not only cytotoxic, genotoxic, but also magnetic toxic. Right. Okay. And, and if you look at this study, uh, let's see if I can find it here. If you look at the study, ferritin nanoparticulates, okay, and I'm finding ferritin in the inoculations, and I'll show you which, brand, which uh, actual vaccines. And methods to modulate cell activity. This is the worldwide, this is the world, this is the patent, US 107 865 757082. Jeffrey uh, Friedman. Right. The, and, and guess who owns this? The Rockefeller uh, Institute, the Rockefeller Damn. University. Bingo. <laughs> okay. Right. So look when it was granted. Priority filed 2018. This program, this narrative that, that we're hearing, this this pandemic has been going on for many many years in its planning. Look at the look at the abstract. The present invention provides methods and compositions for the remote control of cell function based upon the use of radio frequency waves to excite nanoparticles targeted to specific cell types. The nanoparticles may be applied to the target cell extracellularly or expressed intracellularly. This right. is exactly what is going on. Well, this, this is, is the so, evidence. This is so crazy. And I actually, I'd like to, uh, before we kind of get to this, because I'd like to conclude with this part of it, um, but, uh, it's just so crazy to me that when you really do look into the science and you find the patents that some of this, this almost sci-fi sounding like re remote control biology, the, the internet of bio nano things that they're constructing, uh, you can find it in the literature. It's right there. And then, and now through this study, you, you're literally looking at these, uh, these, uh, creations, the, this, uh, this nanotechnology, that's been created uh, and then that's now being injected into people, it becomes so science fiction and it's hard for people to believe that it can be used uh, for this controlling, um, this sort of bigger picture to control biology. But, uh, but it's clear in the literature that, that they've been working on this kind of thing for quite some time now. But I, I do wanna, I wanna conclude with that and I just wanna fill in some gaps before we uh, kind of discuss uh, exactly what these uh, graphene oxide particles may be being used for. Uh, and the first thing is that the graphene oxide, I think it's, from my understanding, these have been in vaccines since 2016. They've been in the flu vaccines, and now we're seeing them in the coronavirus vaccines. And they're, they're being called an adjuvant. So the adjuvant would be like the aluminum that was used in the past or the mercury that was used in the past in these that are theoretically... Uh, designed because everybody knows that they're toxic, but they're designed to excite the immune system so that they can absorb the the vaccine. 
uh, and then theoretically create the antibodies. That's what they're that's what they're calling the graphene oxide. That's why they've been putting it in these vaccines, according according to their point of view. They're an, it's an adjuvant. Well, they they don't even list it as an adjuvant. It's totally mm. been top secret. They don't list this ingredient, sure. but. Uh, just like just like your com computer uh, through Wi-Fi remote can receive information, okay, so it, it receives and it can also transmit uh, information. The purpose uh, of the graphene oxide is to do the same thing, but to replace the cell phone and to replace the computer and literally connect you up once this has been inoculated into your blood into the interstitium, it goes into every organ, uh, some or a lot of it, most of it's going to the reproductive organs, to the mm -hmm. bone marrow, to the heart, and to the brain. But once this is in the brain, there, in and there, that this material can then start receiving and transmitting frequencies. So it becomes, it becomes uh, the the hard drive and the soft drive, the, so, the, the software is what the supercomputer then is directing information for, for mind control, for testing medical conditions. Uh, uh, so some of this is nefarious and some of it, uh, well, okay, you know, maybe helpful for an elderly person to be inoculated and have this graphene oxide in their body so that if she does have an incident, uh, the supercomputer will actually pick that up and they can contact by remote the 911 and send a, an emergency team over there to, mm -hmm. to help this poor person. Uh, well, that sounds like somebody might sign up for that. The problem is, is that nobody signed up for this right? because we were not told. So our, that, that freedom of choice that, wait a minute, isn't this my body? Isn't this my life? Isn't this my choice? And you're literally connecting me up with a with a uh, nanoparticulate being driven by a, a liposome capsid uh, pushed to specific areas of the body in order to connect me to the Internet of Things. So the transmission is not viral. The receiving is not viral. It's a wave. So when you hear the words out of our leaders, a wave is coming. This is a, lay, a wave of pulsating uh, 2.4 gigahertz and up. And I did the original study on the effects of electromagnetic frequencies on the human biofield in 1998 and published in 2001. So we know, I know how it affects. I was the one that was taking the micrographs. And that article and even the videos on YouTube, you can watch it today. You can see it. Go back to the future, 1998. The bottom line is, is that there is no good reason, no good reason, unless you want to give up your mind, because that's what's going to be controlled. And the research and the patents show this. And now we have the documentation by many sources, including my own, that there is oxides, okay, of, of iron. There are oxides of aluminum there are oxides in graphene of graph uh, of carbon graphene mm -hmm. and these these uh this main one of which in the capsid over 90 percent of that capsid was graphene oxide this has been found in every 
one of those concoctions which don't help in immunity, don't help in protection, but literally do the reverse of that. Can you bring up the picture of the, the aggregate that you found, the one that's got the picture of the graphene oxide particle with all the other, it's got, I think you listed a number of other metals that are inside the thing and, and it's, that it's highly magnetic. That was the one that really caught my attention. And, and then you start, once you see something like that, it starts to make sense that you see, uh, you know, people who are exp being able to stick, uh, knives and forks to themselves right? Yeah. <laughs> because the magnetic properties are clearly clearly there uh in these aggregates yeah so the step the steps of analysis of the vaccine of the aqueous fractions uh are as follows the dilution in a 0.9 percent sterile physiological saline uh polarity func uh functional aeration uh extraction uv absorption and fluorescent spectroscopy scanning to identify the specific elements within those vaccines. Extraction and qualification of the RNA or the genetic material and the nucleic acids in the sample. And of course, electron and optical microscopy of the aqueous solution using bright field phase and also dark field. Um, so when we look at this, then going all the way down this is actually what can you i'm not seeing this, your picture can you oh share you're not it? oh yes i thought i shared it hold on just one minute um let me go back here uh okay i can share it now there we go okay so so what we're looking at here are the uh, are the nanodots. Uh, these are the, these are the capsids. Excuse me, the That's capsids. The lipid, the pegylated lipid. Yeah, lipid. this is this is the pegylated lipid, which is lipid. itself toxic, right? Well, yeah, it is. But but what's inside that? Okay, what's mm -hmm. inside that? You have to use this technology to determine what's inside this. And so that's the graphic to understand UV absorption and flu uh, fluorescent spectroscopy. Okay. And so when we're looking at that, then what's inside of it, we can then identify uh, the specific uh, elements. And of course, we get a nice little graph. For example, in the Pfizer, in its identification, we identify the saline solution that the, the sample was put in, the the point nine percent sodium uh, chloride. But then we see the signature. The signature or the electrons, you know, that are emulating from those that element of carbon, uh, nitrogen, and oxygen, and this is the signature for graphene. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so this is this is the uh, going down to then uh, another graph here. We can look at. Uh, uh, the actual parasite that was found in the in the uh, the Pfizer was 50 microns. A micron is one twenty-five thousandths of an inch. So if you're right. wondering what a micron is, it's very very tiny. I mean, one twenty-five thousandths of an inch. So here, uh, the Trypanosoma uh, parasite, which is yeah. generally found found in in Africa and other third world countries, generally not thought of. Uh, as a risk uh, in the United States, you know, here again, we're finding this in the... Well, uh, and I, I did want to ask you about this, about because, this that, because that, I'm, I'm getting I'm a little getting echo a little for e some reason, but... 
Yeah. Okay. That actually, I don't know. It just went away. Uh, the, the that is mind-boggling. What the heck is that doing there? I mean, this is a parasite. Well, this was in the Pfizer vaccine, right? I mean, what is that doing there? Well, because of all the inoculations and because of what's in our food, and uh, there's other ways to pick it up, pick up parasites mm -hmm. from sure. from okay. food, water, and also, you know, potentially from inoculations. Uh, but this is what we see in the face contrast. You know, we have uh, violet violet blue stain. You know, to amplify you know these particular parasites uh, -huh. uh the the trypanosoma uh cruci parasite uh which we're now seeing in the united states uh not in everyone but we're finding parasites in over 80 percent of those uh, that we're testing and it's very very common now okay. to find parasites in the blood and, well, but and was and that so, found uh, in the vaccine? Excuse me. This was just... this was this no. This was found in the vaccine. This was found in the blood. This okay. is as a, as a comparison for you. Right. Okay. Great. Okay. I'm just identifying it for you. And somehow uh, it using... just got slipped into the vaccine through the manufacturing process. I guess they're they're, they're well. Culturing. I mean, well, they're I'm not sure, culturing. I'm, uh, here again, uh, how it got in there, uh, you know those who are putting these these concoctions together would only know right. uh, but when we're looking at uh, uh, the composites of of the various uh, Pfizer and other this one here is uh, showing the Pfizer 2 which contains you'll notice here in another st uh, st uh, study where we're actually picking up from another sample aluminum uh, so we have the signature of the graphene oxide, we have the sodium and the chloride, and then we have another oxide of aluminum. We've actually got copper in there, but it's it's minor. It's not uh, it's not one of the major ones. But here again, carbon. You've got bismuth, carbon, oxygen, aluminum, sodium, copper, and nitrogen, and uh, and and the signature for once again graphene oxide is is uh is the carbon nitrogen and oxygen uh moving down uh we can then look at uh the uh, uh the astrazeneca and the astrazeneca is quite a concoction and i mean it's got it's got ferritin in it uh iron which uh it's got the graphene oxide it has the copper oxide uh and uh, so these are just a few of the elements that were found uh, in the AstraZeneca. And using X-ray fluorescence instruments uh, to look and evaluate the adjuvants in the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, we also identified histidine, sucrose, polyethylene glycol, and also ethylene al alcohol. Uh -huh. uh, uh, these are also some, if not all, are also contained in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Right, and, uh, and that's the the pegylated lipid the, that it's encased in. Yeah, that's it. It's a protection uh, for that casing to deliver its contents, and the contents have been identified here in uh, right. the AstraZeneca. Uh, and also, I showed you in the, the Pfizer, in the uh, Janssen vaccine, the, the non-disclosed ingredients uh, uh, showed uh, a, a composite 
uh, of a stainless steel that was glued together with carbon-based glue of graphene oxide. Now, this is not, this is the one that is not, this is not the mRNA vaccine. This is the J&J. No. This but it's got J &J. this aggregate in it. This is the thing that blows me away. You can see this aggregate is highly magnetic and show, yeah, yeah. that picture. Yeah. Oh my God. So here, here you have uh, carbon, oxygen, iron, and nickel, which are held together with graphene oxide. Hmm. So this, this creates a, this creates a cell tower, making you a cell tower to become a receiver and a transmitter of various frequencies that are being delivered to you via a source. That source could be government source. It could be an agency of the government. It could be, you know, who knows? It could, it right. could be, you know, the local, your local government. It could be your local, it could be your medical doctor. Here again, identifying uh, or sending frequencies based upon this to provide some sort of uh, energy treatment. Uh, or, or to warn you by sending a message which only you hear in your head, not outside your body, but inside your body, that you need to come in for an appointment. We've identified a problem. And, or if there's an incident, you know, they would send, like I say, the ambulance to pick you up to take you to the hospital. This is but just... This yeah, this is just on. This is fascinating. Like, look at that thing. And now these, this is toxic. And there, so... I mean, from your, your perspective here, like the body can't handle, like how much of this does it take a click? I would imagine that the more of this you have in your system, then the more, you know, the more powerful. The well, the more receptive you're going to be mm -hmm. to the, to the nefarious frequencies that will be sent to you, uh, to, for mind control. I mean, that's what it says in the patent that they right. can control the activities and expressions of the cells of the genetics right and so, so when we're looking at uh, of course uh, the astrogen uh, astrazeneca vaccine what do we see we see the same signature that's found in all of them of graphene oxide this is the predominant element but we also see ferritin we see nickel we see everything in there and the object of which was identified yeah, that's just fascinating to me. And then clearly, you know, they give people two doses to begin with and then boosters over time uh, so that they can build up this graphene oxide into people's systems. It's probably, is it correct to say it would be too toxic to give everyone, you know, a full dose all at once? But if we take a dose every six months for two or three years, uh, then we'd have maybe enough of this substance in our body to create this powerful transmitter and receiver. Well, for some, it's it, it's there's an immediate uh, reaction. Sure, uh, body does something to uh, to try to encapsulate it, to crystallize it, or to eliminate it as fast as possible. Uh, it is a foreign entity. The body uh, is going to react to it. The stomach secreting sodium bicarbonate, potassium bicarbonate to the to the uh, red blood cells, trying to take up some of uh, some of the acids or toxins associated with it to to uh, the neutrophil activity would increase in order to encapsulate it, to try to remove it out of the body, to the body, to the blood pushing it out into the interstitium to try to get it to the lymphatic system, to put it out through the pores of the skin or out through urination, right. to the fact that if it can't get moved out, then it gets moved to specific areas of the body. 
that would include uh, the reproductive organs, the bone marrow, the heart, and the brain. Now, for those that cannot remove because of, let's say, congestive reasons, they just don't, they're already in an acidic state. They're really not taking good care of the internal environment of their body fluids. They're not hydrating enough. They're not drinking the right kind of water. They don't have the right lifestyle. They have tremendous amount of stress, uh, you know, their emotional or physical stress. Uh, so they have high levels of lactic acid. They're in decompensated acidosis of the interstitial fluids. You know, this is like the tipping edge. Yeah. You're right at the edge, and, and you're literally getting pushed over the edge. For those who are so-called sensitive to radio, ra radio waves, to microwaves, to gamma waves, the, for those who, uh, so we don't need a nuclear bomb anymore for <laughs> war. We, we can take out a whole civilization. Wow. Just like by not, not only are these aggregates and this graphene oxide, not only is this toxic for your system, but clearly then you're going to be attracting these uh, electromagnetic waves that are also toxic for your system. And emitting those and affecting other people. Right. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, well, so, so what will happen then is it will cause a deterioration. And so that's where you see the cellular deterioration, right. the membrane deterioration, and then you start seeing and that's the corona. The corona uh, this effect. Is, this is the this is the corona effect which you're okay. looking at right now. But this is in mass someone that's highly affected uh, by by the inoculation. Uh, they're highly affected. They've been poisoned. The the cells are breaking down. They're producing what are called spike proteins or the corona effect. Uh, these break off. They become free and uh, become also uh, congestive, you know, activating uh, the the uh, granulocytes as well as the agranulocytes or the neutrophils, the basophils, eosinophils, the T cells, B cells, what have you. To try to uh, and, and here again, two thirds of the white count is dedicated to just janitorial services. They go around and pick things up. The other third are lymphocytes, and they are dedicated to neutralizing the poisons of the cellular breakdown. Uh, when this is happening in a mass, uh, to neutralize those poisons, they're called. They release what is called ROS, which is a reactive oxygen species, to neutralize the acids coming from cellular breakdown, coming from diet, coming from uh, radiation, uh, what have you. And it's hard for them to keep up with it because it's overwhelming at this particular point. And so this is when we start seeing the body pushing it out into various uh, organs. So most of this is going to go into the brain and into the breast, leading to more uh, degenerative conditions of the brain, more degenerative conditions of the breast. It's going to go into the reproductive organs, sterilization, uh, uh, total destruction of the, of the uh, eggs and the ovaries, to the testes, uh, reducing sperm counts and the inability uh -huh. to to have healthy, active sperm, so those, are, those will be minimized. And then into the bone marrow, which will destroy the ability for the body to produce tertiary uh, stem cells, which are primarily produced in the crypts of the small intestine. It'll destroy a secondary or tertiary area, such as the bone marrow, to, to support in the production of, of erythroblastic uh, creation and uh, erythrocytes, which are the red blood cells that carry oxygen and deliver out uh, cellular uh, gases such as carbon dioxide. But one thing that most people don't understand, that red blood cell is the primary cell that becomes new bone, new muscle, new brain. And if you're building cells like this, you don't have a fighting chance. And this is why other scientists have said, have said not me, but they have said, 
that the life expectancy of those who've received the inoculation cannot be more than two. That's that's uh. and generous generously three years, and that was coming out of the mouth of a Nobel Prize winner who was the co-discoverer of the so-called non-isolated uh, I, uh, virus, but we're calling this and could not never prove that HIV causes immune deficiencies. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, he is on board with the contextual theory. He is on board with this idea is you cannot poison the body and then use electromagnetic frequencies to connect people up uh, to, a, to a mainframe uh, and where you're sending frequencies, uh, whether for good reasons or nefarious reasons, uh, is, is highly problematic uh, under the Newberg uh, laws in 1947, giving people the rights to their bodies and to, to sure. understand what, what treatments are going on. Here you see the actual spike proteins. And so this de de Delta variant is a smokescreen to, to take you off the target. What is the target? Chemical and radiation poisoning. And now that we know what's in this, and it's not me, it's all scientists uh, that are studying this uh, in Japan, in Germany, in Switzerland, in Italy, in Spain, and somewhat suppressed in the United States. And there's a lot of fear about revealing this. Uh, but look, I only have one life to give. You know. Uh, and there's billions of people out there that are going to suffer. And we're looking at a major catastrophe that is, is, that is being brought to you by a few people, few bad actors and Luciferians that uh, have this ideology that we need to reduce the surplus population of useless eaters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that, that was Kissinger's own words, quote, unquote. Uh, but when you see these pictures, they're, they're very disturbing. And right. when you look at uh, another, uh, uh, another uh, I just want to show you this uh, patent, this right. other patent, and this other patent, which I think is important to look at. And people can go to drrobertyoung.com and get this article. And I yeah. will be putting an update, but the U.S. patent uh, brought me to this conclusion that the patent application is, uh, that was approved by the U.S. August 31st, uh, 2021, uh, allows for the remote contact tracing of all vaccinated humans worldwide who will be or are now connected to the Internet of Things by a quantum link of pulsating microwave frequencies of 2.4 gigahertz or higher from cell towers, from satellites directly to the graphene oxide held within the fatty tissues, i.e. the brain, the breast, the hips, the thighs, wherever the fat tissue is, of all persons inoculated. Yep, that's just amazing when you, when you really look into this. The patents, and I know you've also got a couple of links, uh, your references 67 through 70. Um, mm -hmm. when yeah, I I, I've, I've noted that. I'm going to add this new one. That yeah. I just read you today, but this is this is the schematic for the general ar architecture of a wireless human body connected to the internet. Just amazing. Yeah, and these graphs were not done by me. These are graphs taken off Google, off research. They're they're already testing this. They're using yes, let's say for diabetics, they they do an implant, 
and they've done this with heart, you know, they've done implants, you know, to monitor or to help the heart uh, keep beating. But the bottom line, this can all now, those, 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 those implants can now be taken out and you with the inoculation can be, uh, uh, we can use graphene oxide to, yeah. to act as the technology, which is nano in size. So it's, uh, here, here we go now from a, from a uh, scriptural side, uh, what is I would refer to as the mark of the beast. Hmm. It's just so fascinating to see because it sounds so science fiction. And then you look at the science and you've discovered that they're, they've been working on this stuff for really for decades. Uh, it's described as, as soft robotics. They've got robots on one side, hard robotics and humans on the other. And they're, you know, this sort of trying to merge the organic with the mechanical in the middle. Uh, and this is clearly what they're they're working on. I mean, we can see it in in the uh, patents. We can see it in the peer reviewed studies surrounding this graphene oxide. We can see it uh, when you look up what government agencies like DARPA are have been working on and have been looking into. Um, it, it sounds so crazy, but we've been going for a little over an hour. If I can keep you for just a few more minutes, because I wanted to ask you about detoxing. What about people who have taken the vaccines? Uh, if they're hearing this and they're starting to be concerned, I mean, they're thinking, I don't, you know, I really don't want to have this graphene oxide or these, these, uh, these combinations of chemicals inside my body. Uh, how do they detox from this? Well, you know, the worst, uh, not the worst, the best thing, not the worst thing. We, I think we already talked about that. The best thing yeah. is that when you are detoxing, the first thing to go is the fatty, the excess fat, you know, and, uh, here, here again, the the problem with that with nanoparticulates, since it's actually impregnated into that fat, can be can eventually become part of the cell membrane because the body, the lip, the, the bilipid membranes of cells or the lipid membrane is is made from fat, and it's generally the first thing that that, that goes. But uh, you you want to provide a proper environment that's not conducive for you know, the, rece uh, the receptor to, to actually, or transmitter to actually uh, function properly. And that environment uh, would be a, a hyper, by hyperperfusing alkalinity into the interstitium uh, fluids via the vascular fluids. And that could be done uh, through the uh, air blood barrier, through nebulization, through the uh, rectal barrier, through the hemorrhoidal vein, through... Uh, uh, enemas or through colonics, and then the other could be, uh, you know, through uh, a licensed medical doctor who's licensed to give intravenous uh, uh, infusions of 0.9% saline with a, a sodium bicarbonate uh, infusion. Starting out, uh, I don't want to give you the formula, but anyway, it's it's 8.4% uh, sodium bicarbonate. They can also use potassium bicarbonate as well. These particular that, elements. Now, if you want to just do it that orally, makes the saline very alkaline, right? Yeah, That's it makes it, it. It what it does is it hyperperfuses it into the blood, which has a very precision pH of seven point three six five. But from there, any excess alkalinity will be pushed out since sodium potassium bicarbonate ranges pH is range in the eight, all that range, that range of pH and concentration of hydroxyl ions will be pushed out into the interstitium. Now that's good because 
cells thrive in a pH of 8.4. I want to say that again. Cells to thrive and to be energetic and healthy, never to break down, never to be compromised, never to produce a protein spike or an endotoxin, never to genetically be altered, is a pH of 8.4. Now, how would you know if that, that fluid is at 8.4? Now, that's that 80% of the extracellular fluids, this large body of water that your, blood, that your body cells are swimming in. So there's a muscle cell and there's water. There's a brain cell and there's water. There's a bone cell and there's water. Okay? Yeah. So that water is called interstitial fluid. And the entire organ of which that water flows, you know, you're saying, you know, like the Colorado River, okay? That would be more vascular. We're talking about ocean of water. So we're talking about the specific ocean of water you know, the flows that the fish swim in has to be managed, has to be checked, has to be tested. And you can do that with pH hydrum paper. When you test your urine, you're actually testing the interstitial fluids, which are not, uh, the, the urine is not a product of blood, but the interstitial fluids. And that pH should be at 8.4 hmm. or higher. And if you'll manage that, keeping it above 8, this is how you protect yourself. Yeah, sadly, very few people probably achieve that. Many people are below seven. No, they're below six. Mm. They're in the fives. That's why most people are sick or having health challenges. Right. Okay, well, that sounds great. I really uh, appreciate you coming on. There was one comment uh, about uh, not actually calling these uh, injections vaccines, and uh, that was a good point, You and you brought that point up in the paper, actually. So... Uh, I do. I call them so-called vaccines. They are not mm -hmm. vaccines. They're inoculations of chemical poisoning and nanoparticulates that will link you up to, you know, the hard drive, the master computer, the cloud. Oh, by the way, yes, you'll be connected to the cloud. Right. So you no longer have to be traced by your phone. You'll be traced by where you go. Uh, no longer have to wear an ankle bracelet if you've committed a crime. All you have to be is inoculated and they can track your, if you've left the house, you're still in the house, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, this stuff sounds so crazy to so many people and yet the science is there. And again, I'll post, I'll make sure I'm post this study and you can check out those references uh, at the bottom that describe other peer reviewed papers that describe this process. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I would urge all of uh, our listeners here to look up what's called the Internet of Bio Nano Things, uh, which is a phrase. I mean, I think a lot of us have heard of the Internet of Things, uh, but this Internet of Bio Nano Things uh, is a phrase that is being used, and this is exactly what they're talking about. I mean, it's if you look into it, it's not something that's uh, super well hidden. I mean, it's not openly discussed, but it's clearly... Uh, a part of uh, this 5G matrix that uh, ha is being built around us with the smart cities. Uh, and it's not just going to be external, but guess what? It's also internal. And, yeah, if, uh, it, and if a city's going smart, which is stupid, it's dumb. Right. Uh, if they're going, if they're going smart, you're going to, if you want to stay alive and thrive, you'll have to leave. You'll yeah. have to move. And uh, you know, Unfortunately, there are a lot of beautiful places in the world, but 
you know, that's why a lot of people live there. But these places are going to be uninhabitable. Okay, Dr. Young. Well, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and explaining this. I, I think especially it was great that we could do that screen share and people could get these visualizations, things like that, that, uh, that parasite for one, and then the, and then the agglomeration. The well, the agglomeration, the spike proteins, the, yeah. uh, the crystallized uh, Heinz bodies, the red blood cells, all, all a product of, uh, of the inoculation. It's all there. Uh, and so, again, I will post a link uh, in the show notes for anyone that wants to actually read the the paper itself, uh, and which I think actually I know there was some there was just some questions about, for example, the the La Quinta Columna study um, and uh, this work that you put out, Dr. Young. I think really uh, answers some questions that were left unanswered by that study, and and really shows you uh, in the pictures. Well, that a, this is what's going on. Yeah, as a clinical scientist, I have an advantage. I'm actually dealing with patients around the world. Yeah. You know, so, you know, not just being a microscopist and, and understanding oncology and hematology and actually working with treatment protocols and understanding, you know, if we see this type of particulate, you know, what is really happening and understanding what true immunity is, understanding what the true purposes of the red blood cell, understanding that the stomach is the major organ for managing and maintaining immunity and the alkaline design of the body fluids. Other than that, you're just taking a picture and trying to figure out what it means, you know, and yeah. so I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for, uh, for, you know, their work. And I honor that work, and respect that work. And hope they'll continue to find additional things to help us all to be able to be explained then by those who are actually doing clinical scientific work in this particular field. Right. And we have the equipment to do it all. Well, sounds good, Dr. Young. Do you want to let people know uh, where they can find out more about your work? Uh, it's uh, very simple. It's uh, drrobertyoung.com. So, uh, uh, also, if you're looking for my books, uh, if you're looking, uh, that would be at phmiracleproducts.com. If you're looking for, you know, some help in that area or non-invasive medical diagnostics, uh, I would look at universalmedicalimaging.com. It's totally non-radioactive, of course. You know, I mean, that's a problem. Now, going in to an MRI, you know, which produces a magnetic field when you have graphene oxide in your body did you hear that right yeah another layer on this whole uh, i mean topic. i mean yeah. all of a sudden what do you what happens i mean you go home and feel sick and you literally activated that magne mag uh, that uh, magnetic field in connection with them with the graphene oxide but any anything that produces electromagnetic fields you have to get away from that and and particularly the magnetic field, which is the most damaging because it passes through everything except for lead. Well, thanks, Dr. Young, for coming on. I think we actually did a pretty good job uh, of explaining that paper and explaining the whole uh, graphene oxide phenomenon for people. Uh, sometimes these scientific notions are, are hard to get across, but uh, and with the pictures, especially with the microscopy work that you've been doing, it makes it uh, clear uh, exactly what's in these uh, injections and uh, potentially what's uh, you know what's the motivation behind all of this and and what this these substances are doing inside of people's bodies. So uh, thanks for coming on and clarifying that for everybody. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'll just take a second to let people know that you can find uh, this episode will be posted on my website, which is at www.theshiftnow.com. And you can find a lot of other uh, interviews, including my interview with Dr. Young uh, for my podcast, The Shift with Doug McKinty on my website, uh, as well as please, uh, if you're Canadian, you can go to CanadianRightsWatch.com. Uh, or uh, look it up on Facebook, Canadian Rights Watch. Uh, if you're looking for uh, pre-legal advice and help, if you're being uh, exposed to mandate harassment and you're uncomfortable uh, with the mandates and the lockdowns uh, and uh, you feel like you've been harassed in any way, uh, then Canadian Rights Watch can help uh, set you up in case it does get to a place of, of uh, needing to turn into a lawsuit. So I'm just trying to help on the legal front there. So uh, thanks to everyone for watching. I want to thank uh, my usual co-host, George Roach, for uh, offering this platform for this broadcast. And thanks again, Dr. Young, uh, for coming on. Hopefully uh, I'll talk to you again sometime soon. We, uh, we seem to have these opportunities and I always learn so much. So really appreciate your work. Yeah, thank you, Doug. Appreciate what you're doing and providing the platform. Thanks. So all the best. Be safe. Yeah, you too. Take care, everybody.